Merry Christmas, Brayden. Merry Christmas, Johnny. My first <laughs> Christmas episode here on the podcast. Is excited. this? Oh my gosh, is this your first yeah. Christmas episode? I only wow. ever do Halloween episodes, and then we did uh, our St. Patrick's episode, with Leprechaun, and a Friday the Thirteenth episode. But I've never done a Christmas episode here yet. So yeah, wow. Well, that's. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many Christmas horror franchises there are. We were thinking about this, and there are definitely there are horror franchises that have Christmas entries and things yeah. like that. I think this is the only one off the top of my head I can think of that's like a concrete series of movies where part of the branding is that they're all on Christmas. All on Christmas, yeah, yeah. I can't think of any other ones. I'm sure there's something out there at some point, but um, we'll find something for next year, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, with uh, Eli Roth making a, already making a sequel to Thanksgiving too, we got that going. You know, what yes. I mean? so, yeah. What um, is there? Is there a single holiday that doesn't have a horror movie yet that you can think of? I don't know, like Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even probably, then, I might be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, there's probably a Labor Day. There's probably a Cinco de Mayo one. Probably, um, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised. Probably with some racist caricature of a villain. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, mm. yeah. This is. A, I mean, Christmas horror in general, as a subgenre, is huge. It is um, huge. And honestly, yeah. I feel like it's a very underrated subgenre. Like I got into it yeah. a few years ago. I've been into horror for a while now, but I got into Christmas horror specifically a few years ago. And I was like, wow, there's so much un like untouched stuff here. It's so good. Yeah. What was your entry point in the, in the Christmas horror? Uh Krampus. Oh yeah. Yeah, which yeah. I think is a lot of people's kind of entry point. Um, that was one of the more mainstream ones I feel like that they came out with um yes but ever since then i've had some suggestions from you and some stuff that i heard about from like the dead meat youtube channel that i watched and so now i've had i've got a, a good list going of christmas horror movies and still yet uh more i need yet to uh to watch so yeah and you can easily within the subgenre kind of categorize stuff where like you know something like black christmas is just a great slasher movie it's like mm -hmm. the original halloween you know right and then like i'll watch gremlins every year and that's just oh, like a yeah. fun that's a fun silly you know kind of horror yeah. comedy i guess technically uh, gremlins would have been my entry because i watched that when i was a kid but i didn't right. watch it until after i watched krampus and when i was in my like horror movie christmas horror movie like kind of kick um yeah and then i rewatched it and i was like oh yeah this is a fantastic movie i love it <laughs> that's why every, every year when the when the uh, christmas movie gatekeepers start coming out against die hard i'm like mm -hmm. i'm bored of this argument let's talk about gremlins let's exactly yeah let's get gremlins in there let's dude. talk let's... about other stuff man i'm tired of die hard i'm i mean i'm not yeah. tired of die hard but you know what i mean like talking also about frankly i think that war has been won a long time ago um... i think so <laughs> I, anyone who um recently anyone who uh, i've come across who who still thinks die hard is not a christmas movie is just like i don't i'm too tired to argue about it so i'm just not going to worry about it yeah so, yeah we've and kind usually... of tired about i think <laughs> yeah every, everyone's tired of it and usually the people who don't think it is like don't even watch it exactly like, they don't even like like they don't watch it every year like the diehard diehard fans exactly um, but i silent night deadly night is the brand of christmas horror that is like pure sleazy mm -hmm. like disreputable like when you think about the types of horror movies and, and we'll get into the controversy a little bit with this first movie but yeah um when you think about the types of horror movies that like were considered evil and wrong and children like dared each other or wanted to sneak out to see it and people like there was a moral panic around their existence this is right mm -hmm. up that alley just like pure yeah b-movie grindhouse you know kind of trash <laughs> 
it almost feels like I and I think it was the movie was made honestly for that. It was made to be like, you know, for parents to hate it and stuff like that. You know, it yeah. was just like they really wanted to I think well, I think it was especially because um it wasn't just like, oh, another sleazy grindhouse flick, but it was but it was especially taking the icon of Santa and making yes. him, you know, kill people, uh, kill people, which parents do not want their children to see, you know, right. so obviously so. And it's interesting because now that is another sub sub genre within Christmas horror is the killer Santa. Mm-hmm. Like and, yeah. and Silent Night Deadly Night actually was not even the first one. There's this movie Christmas Evil that came yep. out in like 1980. Uh, I love that one. and I love that one too. And that one's not even a horror movie as much as it's like a it's like a taxi driver esque. I was like, gonna say it's more of like a thriller sort of psychological psychological character yeah. study almost. Yeah. And somehow, maybe it's because of that, it just kind of slipped under the wire, you know? Nobody really noticed it. And then um, after Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, you have stuff like Santa's Slay, S-L-A-Y, <laughs> with with Bill Goldberg, or, you know, which is literally about Santa Claus killing people um, right. and, and other stuff. But but yeah, no, the, the moral panic around this first movie, I think, is incredible. And, and that's kind of what made... Because the movie was in theaters a week before it got yeah. pulled. Yep. People don't realize like there was a moment in time, and and now in retrospect, it's just one of those kind of trashy horror movies that it's like a it's yeah. a cult it's a cult classic, you know. Oh, but sure. like at one time, this was at the forefront of the American zeitgeist. <laughs> like, right. which is it's so funny to me because after rewatching the movie, I was like, you know, compared to all the movies that even came out at the same time, it doesn't even seem that bad to me. You know what I mean? No. Um, well, but again, I, I think it goes back to again, like making the whole like Santa killer thing. And um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it was like you said, it was just a big part of the zeitgeist at the time. Well, a lot of it, it's uh, some of the biggest movies that become a phenomenon. It has to do with the marketing, you know? Yeah. You think of like Snakes on a Plane. That was like a huge movie before it came out because uh, yeah. the title was absurd, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and the poster was like a, a, a plane with a snake wrapped around it. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, you look at the marketing for the original Silent Night, Deadly Night, and it's a poster of, like, what looks like Santa Claus going down a chimney holding an axe. And mm-hmm. this tagline that was, like, you survived Halloween, now try to survive Christmas. And then, like, <laughs> or the first teaser trailer seemed to imply it was just going to be a movie about Santa Claus killing people. And, um, and what's interesting is, like, the way that people talked about it at the time, you would think Santa Claus is Jesus. Like, yeah. Santa Claus is a fantastic, like a, a fantasy figure. He's not a religious figure, but people treated him like he was. And you look at all the, on the Blu-ray, there's a thing called like Santa's bag of outrage. And you can just look at all these quotes from people in newspapers and stuff at the time going like, Santa Claus is sacred. Like I'm all for free speech, but we got to stop this. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I love the that. PTA and uh, many other people. And funny enough, a guy who we'll talk about later, Mickey Rooney, um legendary hollywood actor uh who had played santa claus in the rankin bass cartoons uh he famously spoke out against it uh yeah. which we'll eventually get back to because it's very ironic um very funny but uh yeah the first silent night deadly night what was your first experience with it what'd you think and how did you i assume you heard about these movies through the garbage day scene in park yes yes i think yep my my introduction (laughs) to this franchise was probably everyone else's introduction to this franchise um i was just one of the dumb bastards who was actually watched the entire franchise 
Um, <laughs> hey, yeah. we're both two of the dumb <laughs> bastards. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was that it was that one scene, and I I think I had heard about the franchise here and there uh, again through the Dead Meat uh, YouTube channel and stuff like that. I just kind of like seen it here and there, and then yeah, that clip became really popular of Garbage Day from the second movie, and I was like, well, yeah. I gotta, I, this looks really dumb. I gotta watch this, and um, eventually, so yeah, eventually, I think it was a couple years ago. I eventually wa- ended up watching the first one. And my intention was to watch all five movies when I first saw the first one. Um, but then, I don't know, time just got away from me and I never got around to it. Um, but uh, then I was like, you know, I was like, I knew I was going to watch them at some point and I figured we'd record this podcast. But yeah, a couple years ago and I watched the movie for the first time. And I, yeah, I really, I really like it. It's, um, yeah. it's dumb, <laughs> but it's it's like right up my alley when it comes to like dumb, just B movie slashers. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's, it's like the perfect, it's one of the, for me, I feel like the perfect epitomes of just like an 80s B movie slasher. Yeah. It's, it's Down really to the, the nudity, uh, yep. the gratuitous nudity, yep. the violence, the sort of sexual undertones, the, uh, the pure nihilism, like mm-hmm. just the pure mean spiritedness of it, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and it's kind of a beautiful thing. Uh, now yeah. there, there are things about this movie that I think are fresh too, which mm-hmm. I want to talk about where even though so much of it is like, yeah, it's aping off the 80s slasher craze and it's beat for beat doing a lot of the slasher movie stuff from the time. One thing that's fascinating about it, which you didn't really see in movies, you think about how like Halloween and then Friday the 13th and so many things kicked off like the oh, masked killer or mm-hmm. there was the giallo theme of like the whodunit. But this is a movie where the main character is the slasher. Like, yeah, the, the first half of the movie is his backstory. And mm-hmm. I was showing this movie to Gracie recently and, and she at the beginning of it where you see the killer Santa Claus who um, robs the liquor store and he shoots the guy, she goes like, this is our killer Santa. Like he uses a gun. I was like, Oh no. I was like, this is the setup for the real killer Santa. Like, like you don't expect that. And you just follow him through the first half. And then I, I can see somebody watching this for the first time, not knowing where it's going and not realizing that the main character we're following uh, Billy Chapman is going to become the actual killer of the movie which yep. is a cool kind of subversion that hadn't really been done before in these types of movies yeah no i found that really interesting um i guess it was something that i didn't notice at first when i watched it um because it just seemed so i was just enjoying it for what it was you know yeah. I, would, I mean so i wasn't really paying much attention to that aspect of it but thinking back on it you know you're definitely right it definitely is like it kind of subverts expectations like especially at the time again putting yourself kind of in the shoes of an audience member you know um yeah. probably thinking where the fuck is this movie going um which <laughs> is as a is a, a continuing motif throughout all of these movies yes <laughs> <laughs> um so. now a funny thing about like how this movie came together is that like it, it, a couple writers wrote it and they they de- they genuinely like i read that they wanted to they wanted to do something kind of subversive with the structure mm-hmm. and then TriStar, basically the writers and the like the executive producers were like we want to find a director who's going to be the next john carpenter that's what they said um TriStar did not want that uh <laughs> they picked this guy charles sellier jr who was just a lifelong producer he had produced the grizzly adams tv show and he f- hated horror movies <laughs> um so oh. this guy was not the next john carpenter um 
famously disliked the movie he was making, uh, which I think is the classic case when you watch movies like this is like, it's usually mm-hmm. a guy who does not want to be doing this kind of movie. Um, but I, I think he like does a decent job with some of like the atmosphere. Like I think in the first um, the opening sequence of the movie that falls Billy as a kid and they go visit his grandpa. A lot of it's like corny, but like, I, I just, I, it still sticks with me. Some of the tension. I, I love that first scene with his catatonic grandpa, mm-hmm. um, which is just has really no point. It's just a, it's just a, like a foreboding, you know, harbinger of doom for yep. the rest of the movie. But yeah, when they're visiting the grandpa and then his parents leave and it's just him and his grandpa and then his grandpa, like, snaps awake and he does that whole like his performance is insane oh, yeah <laughs> but christmas eve is the scariest damn night of the whole year yeah <laughs> you better run boy you better run for your life and then like he <laughs> just goes back to normal but then i think the scene actually when they're on the road at night and the other santa comes out it's a little upsetting and it's scary it, oh, it and, and you think about it from a kid's perspective it's it's creepy you, you definitely well yeah i mean you definitely kind of um uh empathize with with billy here um seeing his yeah seeing his like backstory what he had to go through i mean like it it all makes sense you know what i mean like everything that he goes through and what he ends up doing and how he just kind of like snaps like it all like it it, as much as the movie itself is like kind of stupid and the writing is very corny and whatnot it's it's yeah you you feel for him you know in a sense too and the honestly the actor the um billy when he's 18 years old when he's an adult or whatever he's he 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 sells it man yeah yeah robert brian wilson yeah i i listened to uh the audio commentary on the blu-ray uh recently and um he's uh he's on that commentary uh with uh the i think the uh yeah the producer and he kind of talks highly about it he's just like it was like a good time and he talks about some of the other actors and like particularly the actress playing mother superior and how she was Mm -hmm. a very serious actress and no nonsense and um yeah i mean for the type of movie it is he's pretty good now like that being said the movie has no subtlety uh no there's also one of my favorite sequences not a horror sequence at all but when he gets his new job uh at this store and he there's this long montage of just showing <laughs> how how much of a good old boy he is yeah he turns down alcohol because he's drinking milk and he's so helpful uh <laughs> and it's that uh song the warm side of the door which is like stuck yeah. in my head <laughs> and uh and, and like you see his boss like giving a nod of approval and it's uh <laughs> It's it's so great. It's a movie that you're simultaneously laughing at and also unironically enjoying. It's it's both at the same time. It is, yeah. With with also having those moments of like you said, like the that that opening scene where it's just also like wildly upsetting at times. Yeah, it's like okay. like not funny. That like yeah, scene. yeah. No, it's it's not. But it's but yeah. It, but it's just so goofy at the same time. It's it, again. It's just it's like perfect like B movie slasher. It just kind of whips you around emotionally you know what i mean yes yeah um and uh i i wanted to uh point out the uh um one one of the other very funny performances in the movie is uh his boss in question mr sims um who has this crazy hairstyle where there's just like a little bit of hair on the front um uh uh, because he's going bald mostly but there's him and then there's his assistant lady uh they have they have some like 
oh, God, there's so much like I forget about so like the the bit where Billy's a little kid and he sucker punches Santa Claus in the face. Oh yeah, uh, to set up you know how scared he is of Santa, how traumatized he is. He grows up in this Catholic orphanage and the mm-hmm. nuns have no empathy for him. Mother Superior does not care at all about his trauma, really. It's or it seems like she's she just has her own, you know, like drill sergeant system of discipline. Yeah. Um, but then I also love when we get to that kind of the moment, the turning point where they're having that work party and Mr. Sims is like super drunk and he's like, uh, He's like, what are you thinking about, Billy? And he's like, I'm thinking about my parents. He's like, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and then he's like, they're dead. And then Mr. Sims goes, oh, God. <laughs> and like, covers his head. <laughs> I laugh so that's hard at that so every good. year. And then, dude, once the second half gets going, it's just nonstop. Like, it's a it tight 80-minute slasher movie, and they don't waste any time. No, they don't. They set it up. He has a turning point, and then yeah, and he just kills, and he just he just goes <laughs> in this killing spree for seemingly, I mean, no reason. You, I mean, it's you know the reason. He's punishing the naughty, quote. He's punishing quote. the naughty, right? But yeah. there's no like route that he's taken. He's just kind of like wandering around the town, and he like breaks into a house randomly, and he's like, "Oh, these people are having sex. Okay, I'm gonna kill them," you know, right. or um, or like the the bully scene where they they uh they bully the kids off their sleds and take them and go down the mountain. <laughs> somehow Billy's there for that too, and it's such uh, a great kill too. When that oh, sled it goes is. down and he, ch- he just jumps out with the axe, and then you see the guy like his head just rolls down and his body comes down without a head. Yep, amazing. Yep. No, it's fantastic. Um, there are some really good like some solid kills in that back in the yeah. in the house scene with the with the the teenagers or the babysitter or whatever. It's having sex and. Of course, yeah, Lene Quigley, uh, yeah, one of her course. early roles, yeah. yeah. And of course, she has to because it's Lene Quigley. Of course, she has to go and um let the cat <laughs> in topless completely. She puts pants on, you know. She puts so. small jean shorts on, small jean shorts still on. topless, and opens her front door into the cold December air <laughs> <laughs> to let the cat in, and then also inadvertently Billy, who then yeah, like throws her into the living room, and he impales her on these deer antlers that are on the wall, yes, which is a great, great kill, especially if you watch the um the unrated version, the uncut version yeah. or whatever where they added back in a lot of those um, lost scenes and are like little bits and stuff like that. And you see the special effects for this were, I mean, pretty good, man. You see like the yeah. antlers puncturing through her torso and it's, it's, it's good. Man. It's, the it's the, cool. the unrated version of this is the only way to watch it. In my it opinion. is. Like, yeah. You really get the, the you know, I, I kept, I've never seen the theatrical version, but I just kept thinking about how like pretty much, cause you can tell what's added in. Because mm-hmm. the old footage that was recovered is like not remastered, so right. it changes quality. But you just for how much of it is clearly added in, you're just like, oh, th- those are like the best shots of every yeah. kill scene. Um, but yeah, no, that deer antler kill is like kind of iconic, like in horror yeah. movie, you know, f- fan circles. That's like a very well known death scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's also like to talk about how nihilistic it is, the lack of a good guy. The way that he's going after Mother Superior, who we don't like, you know, um, yeah. the only sympathetic characters really. I mean, there's his brother, Ricky, who's barely in the movie, but you feel sorry for Ricky. Mm-hmm. Um, the closest thing we have to like a um, Dr. Loomis-esque main character <laughs> is uh, um, Sister Mary. Yeah. Uh, who's like or, or Sister Margaret. Sorry, Sister Margaret, who's sort of like the one good uh none who's always kind of cared about billy mm-hmm. and she's the one who's trying to stop him um 
and uh but she doesn't even really get much characterization so like she's not the main character at all no 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 uh and then uh even like the cop who shows up at the end accidentally shoots a deaf priest dressed as santa yeah. <laughs> in front of children yep. which is like the movie's sixth sense of humor i think a little <laughs> bit no um, i definitely think it is it's great yeah and then uh also the um uh oh also like like his death scene promptly after that um but also a, a moment where i think the movie kind of knows what it's doing is when after Billy kills Lene Quigley and then the boyfriend and then sees this little girl and there's some tension like, oh, is he going to kill the little girl? And she thinks he's Santa Claus. And then he's just like, oh, have you been good? And she's like, yeah. And then he like, it's so he doesn't kill her, but he gives her like the bloody box cutter yeah. <laughs> that he is. It's, it's so funny. And then she's just confused. Um, <laughs> it's great. Fantastic movie. <laughs> it really is great. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see why it became a cult classic. And it's definitely one that I, I want to, I like to try and revisit every year if I can, because it's just so it's, it's, it's the movie to turn on when I feel like watching something dumb, but like holiday related, you know what I mean? Yes. That's like, cause for me, Christmas movies are so much like, I like watching Christmas movies and I have my list of Christmas movies that I watch, but when I just want to watch something just like dumb that I could throw on in the background, sometimes I'll put on like, I'll put on like elf or something. I love elf or um something like that but like when it comes to like when i sometimes i'm in that mood you know what i mean i'm in that mood yeah. for like a dumb slasher and i'm like what's a good christmas dumb slasher and this is the perfect one there's no other one like it you know what i mean yeah yeah it's, it's definitely it's really, it's really just it's a very niche thing but it's something that fits my niche <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> well and i don't even know how niche it is because it does have a pretty widely accepted cult following and true and and, and yeah. also just the mythos around how much outrage it caused at the time is just a cherry on top you know oh, yeah um but also uh the movie like i i gotta say plays really well with a crowd of people um, oh yeah uh i did this in a double feature two years ago um it was a killer santa double feature. i forget what my first what the a movie was um oh the a movie was deadly games uh and then oh this yeah the, yeah yeah you were there yeah well i don't know and if i was her. there but i do remember um you talking about how you were going to do that and then i watched Deadly yeah. games on my own um, yes you did so yeah. i've seen that yeah yeah and uh but you know this movie just with a crowd of people 80 minutes long no mm -hmm. filler just constant laughing and cheering and you know it's just the perfect movie to watch like oh yeah at a christmas party with a bunch of friends or something oh um, yeah for sure yeah i uh, so that brings us to oh actually sorry before we move on i wanted to read a couple of uh letterbox reviews i oh, looked boy. up some half star letterbox reviews for the movie we're just gonna power through some of these men equals murdered women equals murdered with their tits out <laughs> it's not incorrect um, no, it's completely true. It's... One of one of the all time worst films regarding trauma. <laughs> okay, that might be fair. <laughs> that I mean, that's fair, but it's like you know, you can't you can't take a movie like that seriously. You know, you can't right. you can't watch a movie like that and be like, oh wow, they're really trying to tackle serious issues here, and they're not doing a good job of it. It's like no, because they're not trying to. <laughs> like they're just also, frankly, it does do a better job of tackling trauma than most slasher movies. Um, yeah. I'd say a better it does a better job than Rob Zombie's Halloween too. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> oh god. Uh half a star this ruined my Christmas. <laughs> um I have never seen a film with such a devout hatred of children. <laughs> my god. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously, you know, if you uh, if you're too squeamish, you know, this isn't as palatable as something like Gremlins or Krampus or right. even something like Black Christmas might be easier to watch because it is just a better movie. Um, this is an right. exploitation movie. You have yeah. to understand that that's what it is. And if those are the types of movies you like, this is right up your alley. You yeah. know, that's what I always say. Um, but yeah, this is a long and complicated franchise. One of the most bizarre horror movie franchises, I'd say, of all time. Oh, yeah. Um, and the second movie is no exception. And obviously, because of one instance in particular, it's the most, probably the most famous film of the series. Um, yeah. Yeah. When did you first see Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2? It was this year. Um, it okay. was when we talked about doing this podcast. I was like, okay, I still got to watch the last four. I haven't seen, I've only seen the first one. Yeah. And um, I was like, you know, I was trying to plan out when I was going to watch the movies. And I was like, I don't have a ton of time. I'm currently in like a Christmas show right now that's running like throughout the entire month of December. So doing like a bunch of stuff, um, worrying about auditions and callbacks and things like that. So I was like, I got to like plan out my time. So there was one day where I was like, okay, I think I can watch. I can watch two movies right now, which I only ended up watching one, but I was like, I can watch two movies right now. And I was debating whether I wanted to rewatch the first one and then watch the second one or just move on. Cause I'd already seen the first one a couple of times. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> and I looked at, so I, I did some research and I was like, Oh, so it looks like I, I, I saw something where, where it said like half of the second movie is just a recap of the first one. Yeah. Sure enough. I was like, okay, that sounds good to me. So I watched it and sure enough. Yeah. The whole first half of part two is just as, <laughs> is, is Ricky, the brother, uh, recalling um, to a to a psychiatrist or whatever um, his uh, the the whole f- story of the first into- the first movie um, yeah. just kind of like cut down um, to like forty minutes ish. Um, it, it's like one of those episodes of Friends where they ran out of money and it's just all flashbacks to previous yep. episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, and then the, the the second half of the movie was um is 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 uh, the continuation of Ricky's story of um what happened after his his brother was killed, um and uh, how he got adopted, whatever, and all that stuff, and um which is I, I the thing is with this movie is I think I enjoyed it more than I should have because first of all I hadn't I hadn't recently watched the first one so it was a nice reminder of like what happened in the first one, um. But also the interjections of um of Ricky uh making comments and so it's just the oh my god the actor who plays Ricky is I think maybe my Dude. favorite slasher actor ever he is giving it just the line deliveries are the most bizarre thing I've ever heard in any Dude. slasher and it's I living I'm living for it it's Eric, Eric Freeman. Freeman. Eric yeah. Freeman as Ricky is such a find. I mean, he makes the movie what it is, he you does, know? For like, sure. And he, he's carrying over so much of what I, you know, of what Brian uh, Wilson did in the first movie, which is that, like, uh, you know, he, he does the silly catchphrases like punish and, like, mm-hmm. naughty. Naughty, yeah. Um, but he just cranks that performance up to 11 he moves his eyebrows with every single syllable yes. as he's talking. Um, that like I, literally every line when he looks through the door and he goes, "Oh, there you are," <laughs> or like you know, like a little just, just it's crazy. And when you first meet him, he's already insane. You don't see that gradual 
you know change that you see like mm-hmm. in the first movie um and the funny the backstory of this was apparently um the director was just hired to re-edit the first movie in, as sort of a sequel um and like for like basically to re-release the first movie but to do like a re-edit and he yeah. insisted on filming new scenes to actually make it a sequel and so we actually got far more than the movie was originally supposed to be <laughs> where it was just supposed to be this re-edit of the first one but instead he kind of he shoves all that in the first half of the movie like the first 40 minutes is a recap of what we've already seen with long extended flashbacks um and then and it's all f- framed within billy or within Ricky talking to his psychiatrist. And then we get the solo movie after that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I everyone talks about Garbage Day. It's iconic. Um, that that whole scene, though, on its own is probably the best scene in the movie. Like, Oh, for sure. Just that, that stretch of just that murder spree that he goes yeah. on is just, it's amazing. And it just, and it makes no sense, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's the most entertaining part of the movie. It's it's the most like a child wrote this like and then and then yes. and then type of scene where like he first like he runs across this guy that his girlfriend used to date, finds out from the guy gloating that he, she used to have sex with that guy, which is news to him. He thought his new girlfriend was a virgin. <laughs> uh, so he takes like he finally snaps. And then he he takes jumper cables because the guy's jumping his car and he attaches them to the guy's molars, which makes his brain explode and like his eyeballs pop out. Yeah. Uh, and then his girlfriend, rather than having a normal reaction, like running away screaming, she just starts going, I hate you, Ricky. I hate you. And so now <laughs> he turns on her and then well, he just like looks at her and he's like, punish. And then another very comical shot. Her reaction is going. Oh, and then she starts to run <laughs> yeah. away, and then he strangles her to death in a very funny shot where he's like going cross-eyed while strangling her. Yeah, um, and then that's when the cop with the silly, uh, like this this silly like Andy Griffith show cop with a sideways hat shows up, like oh, oh freeze, but then gets too close with the gun. So then Ricky just turns the gun on him, shoots the cop in the head, and then just starts walking down the street. Uh, shoots a guy coming out of his house. Goes up to a guy with his garbage can and goes garbage day, and then shoots that guy. Yep, yep. And then, um, probably the most incredible, like legitimately incredible moment of the movie, when a car starts driving at him and he shoots the car. The car flips, and there's an incredible stunt on camera where you see the car literally come. Nobody can see me, but it comes this close, like it's super close to the stunt man. And it looks like an accident, like it wasn't supposed to get that close to him. Yeah. And then the car explodes. And it's it's the biggest use of budget in the movie. Because this is a movie <laughs> where they really stretched the budget. Um yeah. and it's all on screen. <laughs> That's great. That car it's just again, it's it's classic, like corny uh, um slasher movie where yeah, you shoot a car one time and it flips over and then crashes and blows up. Like that's <laughs> totally not what would happen, but you know, it, you can't expect realism out of Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two. Yes. Um. But yeah, it's great. It's oh my god, and it just it's it's so fun that whole scene. Yeah. No, it is. Uh, it, the really the way to watch this movie is a year after you've watched the first one. Because yeah. Because 
you do get that recap of the first one. You don't want to watch them back to back because you're just going to rewatch a lot of the same scenes. Exactly. But you recap the first one and then you get the fun addendum of the Ricky story. Um, he does finally kill Mother Superior, which we've all yep. been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I uh, one other thing about that scene, everyone talks about the delivery of Garbage Day. One thing that we need to talk about more is the forced laughter when he's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> 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 oh my god! And, so, and, it, and it continues throughout the entire scene. That, that's one of the best yes. parts about that scene of this killing spree is the entire time he's doing this weird forced laughter thing. Even when he's at the end and he comes after he flips the car, he comes across this like police barricade, and they're like freeze, and he's like. He realizes that he's done for, so he goes to like shoot himself, and he's laughing the entire time. This weird, yeah. laugh. and then the the gun doesn't go. The gun's out of bullets when he tries to shoot himself, but and that's how he gets caught. But like it's the yeah, the laughing. I can't. It's so yeah. good. It's so yeah. Good. Underrated moment also when he uh saves the girl from getting raped in a at a picnic mm-hmm. uh, by running over her boyfriend multiple times in the car. <laughs> so and many then times. She, so and then she times. just looks at him and goes, thank you. And then he walks <laughs> off. Uh, but one thing that with his performance in this movie that I think creates a a direct contradiction to what happens with Billy in the first movie is Billy, in a way, still remains sympathetic because you're just like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a guy who just lost his mind. He he was traumatized. It was never treated. Mm-hmm. And you can say it's obviously a very unrealistic depiction of trauma, but he he thinks he's doing what he's supposed to do out of fear and out of trauma. And even at the end of it, he has that sympathetic death where he's dying and he looks at the orphans and he's like, it's okay. Santa Claus can't hurt you. Whereas like in this movie, you're like, Oh, Ricky's evil. Cause yeah. he's like laughing. He's, he's just he's insane. La- yeah. <laughs> he's an insane evil man. He's smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Like <laughs> it, it, there's no, just proof that nobody who made these movies gave a shit about any kind of no. like, continuity of character you know Mm-mm. um and then also speak furthermore uh there's a part where he goes to the movie theater with his girlfriend um <laughs> in a scene that's clearly shot in like a tiny room that's supposed right. to be a movie theater um and they're watching the first movie for no reason <laughs> yeah <laughs> and also great comical delivery when she's like this is a good movie it's about a guy who dresses as santa claus and kills people and he's like what <laughs> like he's like that's like, absurd and it's like yeah no uh, you're right it, imagine <laughs> imagine that wow yeah um, um yeah. but yeah i feel like we've oh and sorry speaking of that scene what, what probably the goofiest kill i've seen in any horror movie is when there's like a guy in the back of the theater who's like making noise and being annoying or whatever and finally it makes it makes uh ricky kind of snap whatever and he's like he leaves whatever his girlfriend and he goes back to like talk to the guy and it's this really comical moment of the dude like <laughs> talking to his friend like leaning over and talking to him and then like the camera goes back to him and then he talks to his friend goes back to him and then it goes back to the right again and then it's it's ricky there instead of his friend and yeah. then he attacks him and it's like you don't even see the kill happen you just see like they, they go down to the ground like behind the seats and you see, see his like, feet legs, sticking up arms and legs like flaying in the air or whatever <laughs> popcorn going everywhere it's, it's like out of a cartoon <laughs> it's literally it's literally like Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd yeah like the, like from the camera panning over exactly. to like him being there it's yeah it's it's a it's a Looney Tunes death scene it really is um, it's so funny yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is one of those movies you just you just got to see it to believe it. Um, oh yeah, and luckily, this is the only movie in the franchise that is such a blatant cash grab. Uh, yeah. Uh, even though it's not the worst, I think there are worse movies in the series. Um, oh, for sure. Speaking of which, I guess we should talk about Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part Three. Better watch out. Better watch out. Yeah. Uh, um, which is yeah, directed by Monty Hellman. It, this was the first one released straight to video, I believe. And Monty Hellman, funny enough, is like a very famous like cult director. He has movies yeah. in the he has movies in the Criterion Collection, like. Uh, wow. You know, uh, two lane blacktop, um, uh, and uh, he made a lot of westerns for Roger Corman. Um, but a sort of legendary, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I say B movie director, but not B movie in terms of like genre movies, but B movie in right. terms of like making lower budgeted movies that are uh, well beloved. And um, I somehow he ended up making this movie, <laughs> had to pay the bills right i guess yeah and this movie is um wow it so i've always thought yeah yeah you take it you take it you go yeah so here's the thing i've always thought that the worst thing any slasher movie can be like it can be badly written it can be super corny it can have terrible acting in it it can have awful whatever all that stuff and all that is usually at least laughably bad but when a slasher movie is boring that's when i'm like what you've really done it you know you've really <laughs> fucked this up because this movie i fell asleep during it um it took me i watched this in a day it took me the entire day to watch this movie <laughs> yeah. which is a bummer because i was meaning to watch it was okay i'm real quick i'm just gonna let you know uh yesterday i watched the last three movies in this franchise <laughs> i ran out of time and i was what like, a day i forgot we're doing this podcast so i watched three four and five in the same day and I'm I started sorry. in the morning. I started in the morning at like 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. maybe. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the third one. And I fell asleep like half an hour through this movie. Yeah. Um, and I had a long week. So I was like, whatever. I, so I took a nap, whatever. And then I, I woke up and I was like, I'm going to keep on watching this movie. And then I had to go pick up my car from the shop. So I deposit again. And then I was finally starting to like watch through it. And I had like 10 minutes left. And then we had like the like food delivery come. And this was like, by this time, it was like five o'clock at night. And so it would take me all day to get through this movie. And it's and like, understandably, because God, it's so boring. It's just, it's weird. It, a lot of it doesn't make any sense. And there's just so many <laughs> unnecessary shots of people doing nothing that just make me like it just makes me question everything and like and it's the thing is about this movie is like it's so it's got such an interesting concept it kind of takes that concept of like um friday the 13th part 7 or like um even like yeah. a, a what was the other comparison that i made halloween uh, I 5 Hall oh yeah that's right halloween 5 um a little bit where it, it kind of like pits like the killer against some sort of like psychic like final girl or like they have like some sort of like psychic connection or, or stuff like that and so they kind of t it's it's sort of an interesting concept and just from hearing the synopsis you'd think like okay this could be interesting but they just they just blow it they completely yeah. blow it yeah this is i uh, this is the first this is a bizarre entry in the series this is probably the most bizarre one um yeah. it's uh and this is where i'm going to say I think this is a terrible slasher movie. Yes. Um, the kill scenes almost all happen off camera. Yep. 
there it is it attempts to have it's the first one that attempts to have like a final girl like a like an actual like main characters that mm-hmm. are getting picked off um it attempts to have real characters uh it 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 fails as a slasher movie it's very boring mm-hmm. and in some small ways there's a part of me that kind of likes this movie uh and i think what i like about it is the audacity <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what i i just kind of like the you can tell this is the first movie in the series that's actually directed by an auteur like it's directed by a guy who actually wanted to do something different and strange and um a lot of bonnie hellman's films do kind of have this sort of sleepy leisurely tone which does not translate to an entertaining horror movie no at all um but the setup is so weird that ricky has survived the first movie He's now played by Bill Mosley, mm-hmm. uh, aka Chop Top, uh, aka yeah. um, uh, Otis from Devil's Rejects. Uh, yeah. But he's because uh, th- also this should be pointed out. This is the first movie in the series, and this was weird for me, where I recognized multiple actors. Like it mm-hmm. has multiple recognizable actors in it, which is really bizarre. But yeah, Bill Mosley plays him. Um, his brain is exposed throughout the entire film. Yeah. It's a bizarre creative choice where they just have like a glass tank on top of his head where you always see his brain, yeah. which is so weird. Um, does not need to be in the movie at all. Mm-mm. They're doing research on him by infiltrating his dreams with this other girl, Samantha Scully's character, um, who's sort of our main character. She's our final girl. She's blind, but has a psychic connection with Ricky um, yeah. for no reason. Um, you have uh, Richard Beamer, uh, which one thing I got to point out, weirdly enough, this movie has two actors from Twin Peaks in it. Yeah. Um, uh, Richard Beamer and Eric DeRay, uh, which I don't know if that tells me, like, I, it does feel like it's going for a Lynchian vibe. For the record, does not succeed at all. No. Does no. not. But there was just a part of me throughout this entire movie where I was just so fascinated like wondering <laughs> what he was thinking and like uh the the sort of nihilistic story with richard beamer who's sort of our dr loomis character in this he's the yeah. doctor that wants to track ricky down and he's traveling we keep cutting to him in this car with this cop and they have this pointless dialogue which uh, apparently monty hellman has described as pre-tarantino-esque dialogue which is Sure, buddy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, but then it just climaxes in him getting killed. It goes nowhere. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, a bad movie. Uh, definitely the worst of the series, in my opinion. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, but there's enough that's just so weird about it that I'm like, I can't, like, I'm glad it exists. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of get what you mean. There was parts of it, like, I didn't give it a, a terrible rating, like, on Letterboxd, because I was like, there there are some parts of this that I enjoyed. Because, yeah, and I think you're right. It's because of the audacity, just because I was like, I don't know, like, I, I what they're trying to do, but it's absolutely insane to me, and I'm, I I kind of like it at some, por- at some parts, but I couldn't give it a good enough score to say I confidently, like, thought oh, it was, like, I, 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 I don't blame you at all. I was like, no. <laughs> Um, I, I don't blame you at all. I just love seeing Bill Mosley walk around with his little brain sloshing sl- around yeah. in his head. Um, yeah. Uh, and Laura Herring from Mulholland Drive, another David Lynch film. Uh, mm-hmm. She's in the movie, and uh, she's a beautiful woman, and I like looking at her. Um, yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> that's kind of all I have to say about the movie. Oh, there's also a bizarre scene where Ricky, with his exposed brain, goes to this grandma's house and she just like makes him food. Mm-hmm. And before he murders her off camera, there's like a shot of him tearing up like he's getting emotional from the affection. Um, And it goes nowhere. And it's so bizarre because no. like... There's no attempt to have any continuity of this Ricky with the Ricky we've seen before. They even have, there's one brief moment where he's dreaming and we see flashbacks to the first movie. Mm -hmm. And it's really jarring because you're like, oh, I forgot this is a sequel to that movie. Yeah. Like it has none of the same tone or atmosphere or anything. No. Um, I will say one sort of, I think that they something that I try to do continuity wise, I think is that they, they kind of sort of established in the second movie that Ricky doesn't like the color red. Oh yeah. Um, it because it's like Santa. the psychiatrist writes down red car in all caps to, to which Ricky replies like something like, Oh, nice, nice observation or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, but like you kind of take that and in the third and this third movie, you, you, you kind of notice and throughout the entire movie, anytime when Ricky escapes from when he wakes up from his coma and he uh, and he escapes from the hospital or whatever, anytime he sees the color red, he just he kills someone. I think yeah. that's kind of they they kind of make that his like motive. I guess. Oh, I guess like, you're right. It's like his trigger because when initially it's the it's the um the front desk lady and she's wearing a giant red like flower like or thing whatever like on her on her shirt and uh, he sees that like the camera zooms in on that. And then he and then he kills her off screen. And I think with the with the grandma at the end when he like gives her um or she gives him food or whatever, she's like she was like, oh, I'll let me find a present for you. And she has like billions of presents under the tree. And she gives him one, and it's wrapped in red wrapping, and it zooms in on that. And then he like freaks out and he kills her. Um, but again, but it, you'd see the yeah, but you see the close up of like him tearing up, and it's it's yeah, it's strange. <laughs> I, but, and I I just yeah. think about the very ending to this movie where the blind girl she ends up you know she's the only one alive and they're driving her away Mm -hmm. and she just to nobody goes merry christmas and then they drive away and then fading onto the screen you see (laughs) bill mosley in a tuxedo uh (laughs) and he goes and a happy new year and the movie (laughs) ends and i loved picturing people like stone teenagers or whoever was renting this movie back in the day wanting to see a good slasher movie just seeing that ending and going fuck you like <laughs> what kind of ending is this to your spooky slasher movie um, i kind of had that reaction a little bit when yeah, i watched yeah. it like i watched it and i was i rolled my eyes i was like all right that might as well that might as well be the ending to this movie i mean after this entire thing we're like uh, and again it's oh geez it's just it's so baffling a lot of the decisions they make in this movie to the point where like when they yeah. I, when they finally kill sort of maybe it's kind of left up in the air but when they kill ricky at the end and it's sort of this thing where like it's implied that she tried to use her psychic powers sort of to kill him um yeah but what happens is she's on the ground and she just finds this sharp stick and she just like sets it on the ground next to her and he comes towards her and he just kind of falls on top of it and he doesn't yeah. obviously trip over anything he does she doesn't like attack him with it he just kind of like steps towards her and just falls down and he just impales himself and it makes no sense it, yeah, like, that doesn't she... make any sense. Well, I think here's the thing. I think the implication was that he couldn't see. And it's such a poorly executed sequence because the whole thing is she turned off the lights. So it's like, oh, 
now he's like me. It's like the scene in Don't Breathe, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's like, like even the playing ground, right? Yeah. But we have eyes and we can see the scene and it's very clearly lit. It's very, <laughs> like, very clearly lit. Well, like even when like part of it's like, okay, maybe it's just obviously we have to see what's going on. So it's like lit in a way that's like a little bit more subtle. But then like right. you turn to like him coming into the room and there's so much light flooding in from like the other rooms. Yes. And it's like, there's no way that he can't see where she is. You know what I mean? No, <laughs> like, not at all. And it's such it's a, so like, it's a cool concept uh, to have a blind girl and kind of do this wait until dark right. routine. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's pretty un, uh, you, underutilized. Uh, I definitely think Monty Hellman was going for something. He's a great filmmaker and he has said, apparently he said that this is his favorite movie he's made, <laughs> which really? blows my mind. That's uh, insane. But I haven't watched any of the interviews with him. I did watch the interview with Bill Mosley on the Blu-ray, who just kind of has this attitude about it where he's just like, yeah, yeah, I don't know about the movie, but it was a good time. I'm glad I did it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> just you know, whatever. Uh, he's just like, some people like it. That's good, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I can see him, like, being, you know, being the character actor that he is. I can see him be doing a movie like this and being like, yeah, whatever. Like, sure, it was probably a bad movie. I just did it for the check and I had fun with it, which is like totally what the attitude I would have going into a movie like this. You know what I mean? Especially yes. if I was like a horror character actor, like he was like that. That's very much like, yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Something else I want to mention just personally, that kind of made me like kind of trip me out about this movie is that the guy, um, the, the main character's brother, um he's got he wears like he's very 80s he wears like all denim and he's got like super long curly hair um he looks like almost uncanny resemblance to a younger version of my dad um really (laughs) like i'll see like like pictures i was thinking of like old pictures i've seen of my dad of like um like when him and my mom got married or like even before that and stuff like that and yeah, it looks kind of like a mixture of my dad when he was young and me a little bit, just because of like he has got like a rounder face and stuff like that. So I was just like, I, I was, it was very strange to see, especially like the weird, the weird bathtub scene between him and his girlfriend, where they're like yeah. scrunt, like cuddled up in this bathtub together. And, and again, it's one of those scenes that just put it in there so you can see your boobs, you know, sort of thing. Yes. But yeah, and it was just yeah, so that that tripped me out the whole time too. I couldn't stop thinking about that and um. Yeah, but anyway, uh, didn't really make That's... the movie better or worse, just made it weird. <laughs> just made it weirder. I was like, I don't know. All right. That's um, funny. It's a movie that know. makes you feel like you're insane. Yeah, it does. Way to, you know, which is, it's it's at least more interesting than just like a flat out, like like I've seen just some boring, like I've seen yeah. the movie Santa Claus, C-L-A-W-S, and that is just a movie that's so uninspired and so boring and this is a movie that's boring but it feels like there was something that was trying to be done here it's a mystery of a movie um yeah but uh silent night deadly night 4 which is a huge the full title silent night deadly night 4 initiation it's a huge turn for the series it's Mm -hmm. the first one that basically now they go in the direction that john carpenter wanted to do with halloween which is we're not following the same story there's no billy there's no ricky we're just doing another horror movie that takes place at christmas that's it um 
And uh, this one's directed by Brian Usna, uh, who's famous for doing, uh, he was a producer on uh, and a writer on Reanimator. Mm-hmm. He uh, directed Bride of Reanimator. He directed this movie called Society. Always, I was always a fan of his. I like his like body horror stuff. Yeah. So I was really interested in this. And uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Um, I, <laughs> I kind of went into this mostly blind i looked up like a brief synopsis of the movie just to kind of get an idea for what i was getting into um but i i didn't know that it didn't have anything to do with the other movies really so i was just kind of like i i kind of caught on to it pretty quickly like after watching the movie for like i don't know 10 15 minutes i was like yeah no this movie is has nothing to do with the previous movie except i was kind of confused because at one point a character that is introduced really on early on in the movie we learn later his name is ricky and that's yeah. the character that I can't remember. Uh, the Clint Howard. Clint Howard plays. Yeah. Super famous, uh, you know, B-movie character actor. But um, one of the most recognizable faces in film. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he plays a character and his name is Ricky. And he also plays a character named Ricky, who I, I'm guessing is a different character in the fifth movie as well, who doesn't oh, is not yeah. as important. But <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming it was more of just like, a, oh, we just wanted to like a nod to like the previous movies. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, it was, I was not expecting what I saw from this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. All I knew about it was that it was about like a witch cult and um, sort of thing. And that it was directed by Brian Usna, who I haven't seen his movies, but I'm familiar with society. And I've seen Reanimator, so I know that uh, about kind of about that. Um, but um, so I was like, okay, so maybe it's going to have that sort of that feel to it. But I wasn't expecting it to be as balls to the wall as it was. <laughs> um like it gets super nuts. weird it gets absolutely <laughs> nuts um and to the point where like yeah the third one had some stuff in it that they did that i didn't understand that didn't make sense and this one also did but in a very different way where like this one almost it kind of gave me it almost reminded me of suspiria a little bit um just where like the, the yeah. weird like obviously the, like the witch part is an obvious connection but like the weird, like like there's some weird body horror and like witchy black magic stuff that happens in it that I just it, it kind of yeah it gave me Suspiria vibes, which is also a movie that I watched that I didn't understand but I liked it inexplicably when I first saw it, um and this kind of and this movie kind of had a little bit more of a straightforward story but it um yeah it, it was same kind of thing and I and I and I watched and I finished watching it and I was like yeah okay I, I strangely enjoyed that like that was kind of good honestly like in a way I, I thought it was like like it wasn't like a particularly well-made movie but like just the stuff that they did in it and the fact that it was so different from everything yeah. else i had just seen in this franchise i i definitely appreciated it for that um the one thing i will say one of the negative things that i will say about this is that it doesn't really feel like a christmas movie that like it's supposed yeah. to like it kind of like they mentioned Christmas and at one point there's a Christmas party, but it's not really, it doesn't have the focus on Christmas like the other movies do. Um, and uh, so that's the only complaint I have about this. But other than that, man, I, this movie kind of rocked a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was, it was kind of badass. It was pretty cool. I, I'm glad you said that. Cause I, I really like this movie. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun. It's, it's essentially Brian using it, doing just like a really gross take on Rosemary's baby. Like that yeah. plot. Yeah. Uh, we have a main character played by Neith Hunter, um, who I think is really good in the movie. I think she's a good yeah. lead actress. She kind of reminds me of um, uh, 
uh, Virginia Madsen and Candyman a little bit okay. in her performance. Yeah. Um, I was that was the other thing that I thought of too during this. It kind of reminded me of Candyman and and ways, especially with the whole like investigative reporter thing. Yeah, and she's it, yeah. she's a reporter, and when we're first introduced to her, she's like having an affair with another journalist at a mm-hmm. in a hotel room, and and she's still like a very strong character, and she's our yeah. main character, and and like I don't know, that's like a good like it's not this like attempt to like oh every good woman character in a horror movie needs to be like virginal and innocent, like she's not, you know, right. like uh, and uh, but yeah, and then the, there's also like interesting things thrown in, like she's Jewish, and mm-hmm. there's there's very unsubtle feminist uh, tones, right? Of like <laughs> yeah. in the workplace, everyone's just like, yeah, don't worry about it, Tuts, yeah, go get us some coffee. We're gonna the right. real men are gonna handle the news, and then yeah. when she meets her boyfriend's parents, uh, it's like her dad is a raging and his dad is a raging anti-Semite, yeah, uh, and also goes on a rant about how women belong in the home or something. And yeah, right. Like, it's very on the nose. But uh, I saw an interview with Brian Usner saying, like, he did not care for the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. He didn't really care for Christmas horror movies. And he's like, so I got offered this movie, and the reason I wanted to do it was I had never been offered a chance to direct before. With Bride of Reanimator and Society, I was, like, the writer-producer. I had to fight to direct. This is the first time a project was given to me. And he's yeah. like, so I did everything I wanted to do with it. And he's like, I you know basically made it my kind of movie uh i didn't like christmas that much so like i made the main character jewish uh, and, then, <laughs> uh, and uh and he's just like oh and then i brought on screaming mad george to do the the um creature and gore effects and i mean mm-hmm. that is screaming mad george is the star of this movie like oh yeah for the sure bugs it's such a gross movie it's like, so gross his bug monsters i think about clinton howard holding that bug monster on top of the roof like mm-hmm. right in the camera it is like stomach churning to look it's at some nasty it's absolutely no i love his inclusion of this movie and apparently i heard that um Apparently, uh, Brian Yuzna had some ideas, like some stuff that he wanted to do in society that he couldn't do or that he yeah. didn't have time for or whatever that he just put into this movie, um, which makes a lot of sense, especially with a lot of the weird cult stuff that happens in the third act of the movie. Um, yeah. It's it's very obvious. But yeah, no, I love I'm a huge fan of practical effects, uh, yes. creature effects, blood, body horror, all that kind of stuff. And there's a tons of that in this movie. So that's that really grabbed my attention. And uh, yeah, I love it when a movie is like really convincingly gross like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, dude. And and it's like it, it's you don't need it because like it doesn't help the witch plot. It's just no, it's there's window dressing and it's yeah, it really is the main attraction of the movie because like, yeah, there is this plot of like if you want to dissect themes from it, it is kind of complex where it's like a woman who's dealing with genuine misogyny, you know, and everything. Right. And she kind of gets roped into this scheme by these witches and uh, these witches who kind of bring her in with this promise of female empowerment. But really, it's, you know, they're nefarious and they want her to murder a little boy and, Mm -hmm. you know, because they want to kill all men. And it's kind of a very there's a very real aspect there underneath the silly plot of like um how people who are genuinely disenfranchised for good reasons can be radicalized into you know something worse because of that and um mm-hmm. uh and if so if you want to get technical about it that's there thematically but then on the surface it's a movie with big gross gross bugs 
some real some genuinely disturbing scenes the scene where they like mm-hmm. impregnate her is actually like hard to watch it uh, is the uh i like uh the performance of the lead um witch uh maude adams who is sort mm-hmm. of the big name actor in the movie she was a bond girl uh she was okay. octopussy so um this is kind of like you know she kind of carries that gravitas of like experienced actor um yeah. but yeah then clint howard is always so much fun in these movies he's oh, yeah He's one of those guys who his most prestige roles are like because he's Ron Howard's brother. So he always has a small part in every Ron Howard movie. But then in B movies, in B movies, he really shines. (laughs) And and this is just great to see him being weird. He's like this crazy homeless man who works for the of the the witches, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a movie that's made me um, now uh, inspired to watch um, like uh, uh, what's uh, like ice cream man i really want to watch that yes. now um yeah. and just yeah the other b movies that he's been in which i've heard about for a long time and so i knew his face but um now i'm like now nah, i gotta watch those because this is the first time i've seen him in a movie i think uh oh watching, really uh, yeah i think no well, no no not not in a movie and uh in like a b movie like featured role like right. this i've seen him like he's like in the austin powers movies um, yes and you've like definitely a, seen him in some ron howard movies and ron howard movies yeah, yeah. i know for sure but um as far as like a featured actor like in a b movie like this having being able to like really shine um I, this is the first time i think i've seen him do that so yeah uh, yeah it's a lot yeah. of fun it is it's uh probably my second favorite of the series to be honest it's just like i think it's i think it's mine as well yeah 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 i'm glad i'm glad we agree on this and yeah. uh yeah, and it's just a great, like, uh, if you like Brian Usna, and it's like, Brian Usna basically does David Cronenberg, but, like, grosser, and and I mean this affectionately, but more dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. he's just kind of a d- dumb For David sure. Cronenberg, <laughs> um, which is great. And I, I saw an interview with him talking about the process of making four and five. And because he's also a producer and writer on five and he's not a director, but he basically talks about, he's just like, I just wanted to put in all this weird shit. Cause that's what I do. He's yeah. like, that's kind of, and then when he's like, when we got into the fifth one, he's like, I co-wrote it with this guy who I picked out and he did a better job kind of streamlining it and making it a real movie. And he put in the story and then all the weird shit was in there because of me. Like he's very yeah. humble, you know? Yeah. Um. So that brings us to five silent night, deadly night, five, the toy maker, the toy maker. Uh, which stars big plot twist Mickey Rooney. Um, Mickey Rooney, the man who protested the first one. Uh, yeah, uh, and now it all comes full circle, and he's the big name actor in this movie. Um, and he's a guy who makes toys, he might be evil. Uh, these toys, <laughs> uh, which he you know he's selling on Christmas, it's a Christmas time set film, and his toys are uh murdering people, and it gets to a very bizarre and surprising climax. So, uh, uh, Brayden, what did you think about Silent Night, Deadly Night Five? Um, I, I, I this is one of my favorites of the friend. Well, there's only five of them, but like, I, I had a really hard time deciding whether I liked this one or Initiation more. Mm. Um, I think I ended up edging out Initiation just a little bit. Um, but this one, man, it's it's it kind of it's weird because it's the it's the most like straightforward movie since the first one you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> and which is which is funny because it like again when you get when you get to the end it's like it gets super weird the climax is just out of this world um but like as far as like 
most of the movie goes as far as like a plot goes, like establishing characters and it kind of sets up this mystery. It just feels very much like you're kind of back in like just typical B movie slasher territory um, almost um, for a while until it, yeah, until it gets weird. But you know, you got to get weird if you're going to make the silent and deadly night movie. Um, you do. Yeah. That's the one constant in all of these movies. Is that yeah. They're all a little bit weird. And uh, I think part of why I liked it too, because I, I did see the influence there from from Brian Yuzna, and again effects from Screaming Mad George, um, doing all the um, the effects of like the uh, some of the toys that come alive, more weird bugs. <laughs> um, yes, not nearly as many, but more weird bug like toys um, invading people's bodies and whatnot. Um, a couple, but, um, a couple insane moments of gore too. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, overall I, I very much enjoyed this. Uh watching four and five back to back is a ride. Um oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a big ride. And it's very honest, honestly refreshing after seeing after watching um the third one. Um too. Um so yeah, I I I like this one a lot. I Mickey Rooney is great. He's probably the acting wise, probably the best part of the movie. Um yeah, Mickey Rooney gives the best performance in this whole franchise. Oh, for like, sure. That that's something that really shocked me going into this. I expected that. Oh, it's a late period paycheck movie for Mickey Rooney. I I figured he was going to give a sleepy, half-assed, like late period Donald Pleasance type performance. Yeah, yeah. But he he's into it. He seems like he's having a good time. Like his oh, character's yeah. very dynamic. You see him like being very charming and nice to the little kids. But then when he's yelling at his son, he's like evil and uh, really does a great job. You go like, yeah. Oh yeah, this is what it's like when you put like a great seasoned actor who's trying <laughs> in one mm-hmm. of these movies. Um, but yeah, the plot is bizarre. It's uh, it definitely feels a ri- like a riff on that killer toy subgenre. It's uh Brian Usna had previously produced a movie called Dolls, which was directed by Stuart Gordon. And it feels like it kind of expands on that a little bit. It's a little um, uh, pre, I think this is pre Puppet Master. It might've been right around the same time, but like Puppet Master, Demonic Toys, the Full Moon Productions stuff was coming out around this time Mm -hmm. uh, or it started to come out. And it's uh, what's interesting about this movie specifically is like, and all those other ones, there's a supernatural element to the toys mm-hmm. killing people. But in this, it's just that he's so good at making toys that they're like AI, basically. They're just yeah. like they're they're like mechanically inclined to commit murder. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And um uh yeah, that opening kill, pretty good. Uh there's like a little Santa Claus thing that like latches itself onto a guy's face and then pulls him down onto a a, a fire poker mm-hmm. um so that's fun but you it, it know what of... i sorry go ahead no you're good i was well I was, I was just thinking so yeah the the character that dies in the beginning is the is the dad of this boy that we kind of follow through the movie um and uh the the i guess like the wife and the son are kind of like the main characters of the movie and um yeah and so he dies and it's like really close to christmas and and it and, and again it sort of weirdly follows that trend of like exploring grief and like trauma yeah. and like um the boy is like silent throughout pretty much the entire movie um because yeah. like he witnessed his father die from a toy like a seemingly innocent toy and so he's terrified of like toys in general and of christmas and of that so it kind of goes back again sort of to that to that first movie 
of just having that like Christmas related trauma and having to deal with that, which I think is is interesting. Um, again, yeah, it's a dumb B movie slasher, but it's I don't know. It was it was interesting to see that it's kind of to see them revisit that. Inexplicably, I forgot about this until recently. The movie, the very beginning of the movie, he walks in on his parents having sex and then mm. he goes downstairs and that means nothing. It's like yeah. literally it feels like the studio saying like, all right, you need a sex scene at the beginning to get people's right. attention. Because uh, you think it's like it almost calls back to the first movie where he's watching the teenagers having sex and 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 like it's going to be like affect him psychologically. But right. that is that has nothing compared to the toy murdering his dad. Nope. Um but yeah, no, I then we're kind of introduced, like it cuts to two weeks later, he's gone mute. Um, we're following the mom character. Um, and uh, you know, Mickey Rooney's just this kindly old man with his toy store, but then we realize maybe something's up with this toy store. Uh, he plays a character, and if this isn't a hint enough, he yeah. plays a character named Joe Petto, Petto, and he has a son named Pino. Uh, which is the most unsubtle, unsubtle reference to Pinocchio you could ever do. Um, and uh, his son Pino's a little bizarre, and he tries to give the boy this toy that's like disgusting, like toy of like a, it's like a bug, like a long bug thing. Yeah, it's like Larry the Larva or something like that. Yeah, and it's like, and it's it's so it's weird looking, and you can tell it was again, you could tell it was Screaming Mad George who like was like, I'm gonna make a gross looking bug toy. Yeah, um, yeah, and you, and you just know you see that right off the bat, and immediately it like gonna gives you chills. You're like, oh boy, something's not right here, you know? Oh, definitely, yeah. And then that brings us to uh, it's a convoluted way that gets us to what I think is the best kill scene in the movie, um, maybe in the whole franchise. When um, he uh, there's a mysterious character who's basically a red herring character for most mm-hmm. of the movie. He shows up, he ends up buying this toy. We see him in this hotel room where he lives and he's like recently out of the service and he's bought all of these toys from Joe Petto. Um, and then he ends up giving one of them to like his landlord uh, to try to like, uh, or the owner of the hotel, just to try to like not have to pay rent for a while. So then we yeah. see that hotel owner takes the toy, he's driving home and then the toy slithers out of the box, ends up attacking him um, and it goes into his mouth. After it goes into his mouth, we see his eyeballs get sucked in. Yeah. Into his head. Yep. It's so gross. And so it, it, I literally, my jaw dropped and I went, holy shit. And then yeah. his car crashes and it explodes. It's <laughs> Yeah. And of course, you, you gotta have the unnecessary car crash scene. But yeah, yeah. it's probably the best death in the movie. Um, it's just weirdly at first I was like, this is kind of lame because it like goes into his mouth and it's like choking him. And then he's like swerving all over the road. And I was like, oh, he's going to crash and that's going to be it. So yeah, no, I was also, my jaw dropped when his eyes got sucked, sucked back into his head. And then the larva kind of crawls out of his eye socket. Um, yeah. And it's disgusting. And it was like, yep, we're, we're, we're back, baby. (laughs) We're in it. it. Um, Yeah. God. Yeah. So good. It was great. And um, I, uh, we end up finding, oh, yeah. And then the weird connections to the fifth one. Um, Clint Howard shows up playing a character named Ricky, who in no way seems to be the same character. Um, he, he actually talks like a person, he acts like a normal yeah. guy. Um, and then even weirder, Neith Hunter shows up again playing uh, a character with the same name, Kim from the first from the fourth mm-hmm. movie so the main character of the first movie comes back her name is kim and she seems to have adopted the boy from the first movie 
who's played by Brian Usna's son, Conan. Yeah. Um, who and yep. his name is Lonnie. It's the same boy. So the implication is that she adopted Lonnie after the events of the fourth movie. Yeah. And uh, apparently I was watching an interview with Brian Usna and he was like, yeah, we just put these actors in playing characters with the same names because we thought it'd be fun. And also I wanted to give Neith Hunter a nice role where she could just be a normal person and not have to do anything. Because you think about in the fourth movie, she had to be naked so much and she had to yeah. do these crazy traumatizing scenes. And in this, yep. she's just like the nice supportive neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> and it is nice. But um, I there is one scene that hints that it, she is the same character where she's mm-hmm. just like, Oh, I've been through stuff that you won't believe. And then yeah. the main lady just like ignores her. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah like don't tell her about the line. witches, the witches, right. And the slugs. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Um, but Lonnie does give us a great scene where his uh, his his rollerblades malfunction. Mm. And then he goes in front of a car and gets hit by a car. Uh, so if you want to see comical abuse of children on screen, that does happen. Yeah, that's great. Um, but how do you even describe the third act of this movie? I don't know. It's 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 absolutely say, insane. It, right so, before we get to the third act, uh, the, there is the murder of the babysitter and her boyfriend, which is pretty crazy because the yeah. toys are like shooting bullets at her and she's bleeding out. It's such a bloody, chaotic scene. It They're is. screaming. Uh, the boy, like it, it's it's a pretty wild scene, but then. That doesn't even prepare you for where it goes. No, it doesn't. So, yeah. So right before the third act, it kind of like it almost seems like it's revealing like what the movie like what it was trying to go towards. Like you almost like, okay, this is the climax. And now you're like, you're just trying to like they're just trying to resolve it at the end, sort of. Um, But like they reveal. So like that mysterious guy that was kind of a red herring is revealed to actually be the little boys, uh, Derek, his his real father. Um, And he was um, the the main uh, woman who was they went out a while ago they hooked up and then she ended up leaving him because he wasn't stable enough or whatever and he went off to the army and um so he comes back because he wants to like rekindle with her and like actually be a father and raise his son or whatever so they hook up and at the same time they're hooking up the babysitter who's watching Derek is hooking up with her boyfriend and yeah. as that's happening there's this cross-cutting between the two sections. there's this cross-cutting between them and as that's happening we see joe petto in a santa outfit and he puts a bunch of toys in the room where they're having sex and um then the, yeah the toys attack them and then when the Derek comes to see what's happening joe petto kidnaps him and takes him away and so you're like okay so he is the bad guy right you're, that's you know that's what the the idea they give you He's the yeah. bad guy of the movie. The other guy is nice. He's he's like a long lost friend or whatever. He's trying to help. Yeah. And then, the, yeah, the babysitter and her boyfriend get. Um, well, actually, it's funny. The babysitter doesn't even die as far as we know. Yeah, um, no. Uh, she, gets uh, shot in the, she gets shot in the chest, like a huge hole in her chest, which would probably definitely kill you. <laughs> and it's continued to, uh, to get attacked and get shot by all these like toy tanks and whatnot. But then after her boyfriend dies, she like runs out to the car where like the the mom and, and her new like whatever boyfriend now are there. And she like she's all blood. She's covered in head to toe with blood. And she just kind of left there. And we don't see her for the rest of the movie. So well, like, uh, Kim comes to help her. So right. that's the implication. Kim, she Kim, gets the cops or something. Yeah, I guess. But um, we don't see them for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And then we go back to um, uh joe petto's shop because the mom has found out that he's kidnapped um her son so he goes and then her her new her new boyfriend slash old boyfriend i think his name is noah i think they reveal his yeah name. 
so he goes to help uh to, to help out too and they kind of like go in through she finds a way through the back and he breaks into the front and um yeah and then all hell breaks loose um <laughs> that's where we find the dead body of joe petto yep uh we find out that the man dressed as santa was not joe petto it was in fact his son pino who is of a, a, a robot basically an android yep an android uh he replaces the face we see it's pino the actor playing pino gives it his all yeah he's, he's a robot he's also like horny it's this is pure brian usna where like he yeah. takes off all his clothes and he has this like ken doll body with there's no yep. dick and then he just starts like he c- comes on to sarah the mother and he's like humping her going like be my mommy i love you mommy and it's like i was running my hands through my hair going yeah. like how did we get here yep <laughs> This weird, like, Oedipus shit happening. And it happens so quickly. It's like, yes. she finds, like, the room where there's all these weird doll parts and toys and stuff like that. And then there's the reveal where, like, he was an android the whole time. Which, like, even that in and of itself is, like, it's surprising, but it's not, like, like his name is Pino, right? It's, like, right. it's a whole... He wants to be a real boy. He wants to be a yeah. real boy. I was like, you kind of, like, okay, that makes sense. Like, it's wild, but it, it makes sense. But then, yeah, really quickly, all of a sudden, he's like, he's like assaulting her and he wants to be her son, but he's also like turned on and trying to have sex with her, but he can't because he doesn't have a penis. <laughs> and it's like, what is going on? Oh it's my just, God. It's just pure using the weirdness. And then, yep. uh, and the actor, yeah, like I said, the actor playing Pino is just he, so great. He's, he gives it his all, man. He gives it his all. Uh, and then we have our little climax. The boy finally talks, fights back. Noah shows up, saves the day. It's a happy little ending. Yeah. Um. But gosh, yeah, what a ride of a movie. Just, uh, again, another one of those movies where it keeps you guessing. Mm-hmm. Right when you think everything's resolved, there's a whole nother thing left and you're like, it's not the movie that you thought it was when it started. No, um, this is like the prime type of like B movie direct to video trash where it's like it's Silent Night, Deadly Night Five. This should not be good. This should right. not be something memorable, and it is so memorable. It's and... maybe the most memorable besides the fourth one of the entire franchise. It's... Yeah, God. No, I mean, Derek the. Brian Usna reinvigorated this franchise the same way The Rock reinvigorated Fast and Furious. Like, yeah, <laughs> just came in, gave it a shot of adrenaline, gave it a new direction, and you're just like, oh, I could stick. I'm sad he only did two. I, I, could- I was gonna say it almost makes me wish because like they kind of, they kind of went with we when we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Initiation, the fourth one, but like they kind of went with like a what they were trying to do with Halloween initially, where it was like we're gonna have these stories set on Christmas. Are like these like horror stories whatever set around Christmas, and they did that with the fourth one and the fifth one, and I just wish that Brian Usnet had just kept on making those because yeah. they're so fun, and it, he could have done a lot of crazy shit, and man, Christmas would not be the same. Yeah, dude, <laughs> it would not be the same. Uh, I'm so glad I watched these. I, I also want to point out in the Brian Usnet interview, which he he just seems like the most affable, cool guy. I watched the interview with him, and I watched an interview with Screaming Mad George, and they're both just genuinely so proud of this movie, yeah, and, and happy with it. And and Brian Usnet talks about like, yeah, I hadn't watched in years, and then 
somebody a rep theater wanted to show it and i had like the only 35 millimeter print so i brought it i did an introduction and i it was the first time in years i sat and i watched it and i was into watching it all and i was like hey we did a good job and um he and he's humble like he knows like yeah um you know the other his co-writer and the director on the movie uh, martin uh Kitrosser, um he's like yeah he streamlined the ideas he made it work a little bit better as a movie um mm-hmm. and uh uh, he also talks about Mickey Rooney and he actually says at the time, I didn't know Mickey Rooney protested the first silent night, deadly night. If I had known that I probably would have asked him about it. Um, but wow. cause like we were hanging out and he said, Mickey Rooney was just like, we'd be hanging out and he'd just be like, all right, let's go make a movie, Brian. Like he was so excited uh, wow. and cool. And it's, it's just a joyful thing to watch. And um, yeah, the most bizarre horror franchise that I've seen maybe uh in terms of how it all cohesively fits together because it doesn't at all no it doesn't it's a tonal Um, mess (laughs) it is you kind of see they kind of do that halloween three thing with the fourth and fifth ones where they show people at some point watching um the third i think specifically the the third movie um in the fourth one the fifth one i think they actually in the fourth one they're watching the first one at one point on a tv yeah okay because oh yeah, because Clint Howard's watching it and he goes, "Killer Santa Claus." Killer Santa Claus, yeah, 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 yeah. And they do. I, I think they show a clip of one of the movies too in the fifth one as well. So yeah, they kind of do that. They get the whole thing going. But yeah, no, it's not. It's not a cohesive franchise whatsoever. Um, characters are. It's funny that the the fifth movie has the most returning characters, like actor wise. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like there's a lot of returning characters, but they're always played by like different people. Like Ricky over the course of three movies is played by like eight different people. Right. Cause um, he's always a little kid and then a middle-aged man or, yeah, or he's yeah. like a kid and then an older boy and then an 18 year old. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It's the first one. Yeah. With any kind of continuity, it's like weirdly enough, three onward is where we get notable filmmakers and actors. Yeah which most franchises are the other way around, but it's right. like, yeah, this is a movie. This is a franchise that started as a beautiful little bud and grew into something crazy. And, and most people I think are not familiar with this series. They think no. of the first two really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a ride. It's uh, what's your ranking of all five of these movies? Um, I think it will probably be probably the same as yours. I'm thinking, um, it is the the last at last is the third one um by far yeah um i have uh part two at number four um i have number five at three i have four at two and i have the first one is still the first the best one that's exactly the same as mine. yeah i figured um again like i said i kind of like i was i really like five so i was like should i switch five and four i don't know but um i don't know i think i i think four did enough like because because five to me was like it was more of like Brian Usna and Screaming Mad George, which was cool. But yeah. I think seeing that the shock of seeing four initially was like yeah. so much that I was like, I, I got to put that one above. So, yeah, it's. um, But the first one is uh definitely the one that I'll be coming back to trying to come back to every year, Um, maybe four and five if I feel like it. <laughs> yeah, but, um, this man. is definitely uh what i can say for this franchise more than most is it has a better hit rate than most like yeah it's like 80 percent of these movies are pretty fun four out of five of these movies i would rewatch with people you know like yeah uh, that's pretty good and i did not expect that at all going into these um Mm -hmm. and there is uh i have in front of me 
we live in the prime time of physical media. Uh, the first two movies have been put out by uh, Scream Factory. Uh, three, four, and five. Oh yeah, you got it. We yep. both have th- three, four, and five was put out by Vestron Video. Um, if any, and they're full of special features. If you want to get like the whole backstory on these movies, commentary mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, you know, even three, I really I dug into some of those interviews because I just really wanted to know like about it. And so, mm-hmm. um, I will say we both, you know, there is a remake or a reboot that's just called Silent Night. Um. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. No. Uh, it's it, from everything I know. It's only tangentially related in that it's just about a killer Santa Claus. So it didn't really have to be. I know it has some references to the first two movies or something. Um, I'll probably watch it one of these days. Maybe next Christmas. At, I at some point. Yeah. Malcolm McDowell's in it, so I'll I'll probably have yeah to check yeah. It out. <laughs> and uh, and I think uh, Dead Meat he liked it, so he seemed that's to a good yeah. endorsement. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, but uh, I appreciate you doing this with me, Brayden. Yeah. Um, I guess before we get out of here, if you were to just tell somebody to watch these movies, how would you sum it up? How would you, what's your elevator pitch on this franchise in terms <laughs> of like, why, why should somebody watch the silent night? Why should somebody binge the silent night deadly night series? Well, uh, that's hard because uh, being someone who binged the last three of them yesterday, um, it's not something that I can easily um, suggest. Although I will say, like, you know, I, I think I would, um, I think I would binge like if someone really wanted to watch them, and there was like a day where we could just sit down and binge watch all of them. I think I'd be down for that because the movies are so, like different from each other in in a lot of ways especially when it gets to the the last few of them that it's like it's it's worth seeing them all in order just to kind of get like a like it doesn't feel like you're binging a series it feels like you're just watching a bunch of random b slack you know what i mean um so honestly if i i'd only be able to recommend this to people if you're looking for just a really wild and crazy <laughs> christmas night you know what i mean <laughs> like you just want to like uh take a day and just and just turn off your brain for the entire day um and put these on and and maybe probably should get drunk or something um <laughs> that's, you you should you get definitely some, should get some peppermint schnapps get some spiked eggnog because by the time, uh, yeah, exactly. By the time you get to the, the climax of the fifth movie, you're just wasted and you're just like, yeah, <laughs> yep, sure, it makes sense to me, you know? Um, yeah. So it's it's a hard recommend to certain people, but anyone who just wants to, I feel like if you just want to have a good time and watch some wild and crazy shit, some exploitation, some body horror, a little bit of everything, you know, just get a lot of really a variety of B-movie stuff. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, I think it's I think it's I think it's worth a watch. So I fully agree. I think besides the fact that two features so much footage from one besides that one fact, this is one of those rare horror movies series where if you watch all of them, you don't really feel like you've watched the same movie twice. Yeah. Like, you know, besides the glaring obvious thing with two, the rest of them, they all just feel like very original and different even the two brian yeah. usina ones feel very different from each other so but i think um, honestly it'd be perfect and i and i sort of did this but i think it'd be perfect if like like you showed someone silent at the night and then like for one christmas and then the next year you're like okay we're gonna watch the last four of them and you <laughs> yeah. watch two three and four five all together i think that's 
I think probably that's the perfect way to watch this to get a really full grasp understanding of just how insane this franchise is. I fully agree. Um, yeah. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate you binging the last three movies yesterday. Uh, uh, you're a hero for doing this, but I knew if I could count on anybody, uh, yep. it would be you. I'm dedicated. If anything, if anything else, I'm dedicated. Yeah. So, well, what what do you think is the next franchise we should cover here, and for what that's day, a, what that's occasion? A, that's a good question. Um, uh, well, I mean, when it comes to just halloween just covering anything we still have uh texas chainsaw massacre to cover oh yeah um, which is that's a good one um we ha- i mean there's a ton of them i just can't think of a lot off the top of my head right now i've um, said it a million times we're going to keep going with these until we have to watch all the we have puppet to watch master the movies puppet or masters which Hellraiser. honestly might come sooner than we think it will um <laughs> we might just be like fuck it you know what let's do it let's just get out of the way and we'll move on to other ones um yeah. i have yet to watch any of those but yeah Texas Chainsaw sounds like I'd say let's tentatively count on it being that. I think that would be yeah. That could I think be a it's good the option. next. It's kind of the next big one. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to like iconic uh, horror movie characters and stuff like that. We've covered Jason. We've covered Freddy. We've covered Michael. We've covered Chucky. Yeah. We've covered uh, you know a lot of stuff. So um, yeah. I think um, Leatherface is maybe maybe our next venture. Um, obviously, if another holiday comes up that we could uh, talk about, that would be cool too. Yeah, um, I'm gonna look into the annals of Christmas horror and see if there's another franchise hiding out there that there's there's something. I, I know there's something out there somewhere. We'll just yeah, we'll have to find it. Yeah, yeah. All right, buddy. Well, thanks as always. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Anything going on with you? Um, anyone who might be listening to this, um, I who lives out in Tucson, Arizona area. Um, I'm currently working with the the Gaslight Theater. Who they do a, they do a ton of um really like melodramatic kind of like uh, audience interaction improv type shows. Um, I'm trying to do a Christmas one. I'm doing we're doing a pirate themed one uh coming um the next few months January February March. I'm on social media everywhere. I'm not very active on it, but um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or X, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever that is um and uh yeah I, that's all i've got going on right now i think all but yeah right, it's, this has been a ton of fun um i'm happy to have done my first christmas episode yeah and uh looking forward to doing more of these just in general um as always it's been fun talking to you and uh happy holidays you too buddy happy holidays Santa's watching, Santa's waiting. Christmas Eve is slowly Close the door tonight.